I fear not the dark itself, but what may lurk within it. Welcome to Lurk, bringing you creepy, strange, and bone-chilling stories with your host, Jamie Jackson. Welcome to this week's episode. I wanted to take a moment to give a shout out to the YouTube subscribers who have taken a minute to leave a positive comment. I really appreciate it, so thank you. I've recently returned to the library. I guess that sounds kind of weird, but I haven't been to the library in about seven years. So I decided as part of my mental health... I would go to the library on a specific night to look for research material and have a quiet space to work on research and notes. I was kind of disappointed that the amount of paranormal type books has declined, and honestly the number of books in the nonfiction section has declined significantly. Anyway, I'm sure that doesn't really pique your interest. While I was there, I found a book called Ghosts of the McBride House, A True Haunting, by Cecilia Back. And of course, I checked it out. And that is what the topic is for this week. The true story of the ghost of the McBride House in Fort Gibson, Oklahoma. Fort Gibson, Oklahoma is a town in Cherokee and Muscogee counties in the U.S. state of Oklahoma. It was established in 1824 with the establishment of the fort. In 1890, the fort was abandoned. Fort Gibson calls itself the oldest town in Oklahoma. It was originally established as a military garrison to facilitate U.S. government policies of westward expansion and Indian removal. Military families, Indians desiring protection, and freed slaves settled near the fort, forming a town. In 1857, the Army abandoned the fort and the Cherokee took over the military stockade. The U.S. Army occupied the fort again during the Civil War, and eventually the fort was abandoned and the town of Fort Gibson was incorporated. The whole area there is nicknamed the Graveyard of the West because so many soldiers died from disease or were killed in battle. So the area where the house is located is full of history and death. Excellent ghost story fodder. In 1982, Cecilia Back's husband, Chris, had just finished his medical internship in Florida. He and his wife decided on settling in Fort Gibson, Oklahoma because it was close to their families, had no community doctor, and had a rich history. Chris flew ahead to Oklahoma to find a house and a place for his new medical practice. He found an old house desperate for renovations. Cecilia wasn't sure about it at first, but she said walking inside for the first time was like stepping back in history. It boasted hardwood floors, high ceilings, a beautiful staircase, original light fixtures, and large windows. So they bought it. After purchasing the house, Cecilia began researching the history. In 1895, Dr. George McBride and his wife Mary built the house. Dr. McBride was a prominent citizen of Fort Gibson and the surrounding communities. After McBride received his medical degree, he settled in Fort Gibson, where his parents lived and owned a hotel. He married Mary Norman after setting up his practice, 
and decided to build her a house. He purchased the land across the street from the old military fort. The land was once part of the fort. It originally had a house where the head steward for the old fort hospital lived. The house was torn down and McBride bought the property. Dr. McBride was extremely picky in building the house. He chose the best carpenters because he wanted the best talent and craftsmanship. He personally oversaw every single piece of material that went into the building. Because he was a mason, he added special touches to the house through Masonic symbolism. The house was considered large for the time period and the location. It had 16 total rooms. There was a massive foyer with fireplace and beveled glass doors. The floors were all wood cut from the finest lumber and stained and polished. There were two staircases. One had 21 steps and four large square landings. The ceilings were almost 14 feet high and there were three sets of sliding wood pocket doors. There was a back section for servants and the McBrides had hired a butler, maid, and cook. The only thing they didn't have was children. So they decided to adopt and requested a two-year-old brown-eyed boy. They were told that they were in luck and when the child showed up, it turned out to be a two-week-old blue-eyed girl. They kept her anyway. So because the house was originally built by Dr. McBride, the Backs named the house the McBride House. Once the Backs moved in, Cecilia began to notice some odd things. There were little things at first, like footsteps, doors opening and closing, and whispering. Sometimes she heard what she thought was a child crying. She heard the crying every day while her son was napping. Then things began to increase. She started hearing people walking up and down the main staircase. There were cold drafts, and she could smell heavy cigar smoke along with a floral perfume. She would feel someone following her around throughout the day and looking over her shoulder as she did her daily routines and chores. One thing that was upsetting to her is that when she would go to check on her young son, she would find him covered up with one of his heavy baby blankets in the heat of July. The blanket was kept in a dresser drawer and she had never placed it in the crib. Then objects started to disappear. She would be cooking and stirring things on the stove, set the spoon down, turn to do something else, and when she would come back to the stove, the spoon was gone. She said cooking became a chore because not only did the utensils disappear, but the burners on the electric stove would be turned off. When she would be in the upstairs bathroom located above the kitchen, she could hear cabinets slam shut and chairs slide across the floor. She tried ignoring things by explaining them away as noises from an old house. Except moving blankets and missing objects weren't really part of old house noises. Her husband Chris said it was just the noises of the house settling. Chris didn't believe in ghosts. Cecilia did. What finally swayed Chris Back's mind was something that happened after a day of shopping. They returned home and Cecilia went to put her son down for a nap and asked her husband Chris to help. They walked into their son's room and found all of his books were off the bookshelves and stacked in piles around the room. What the hell, Chris muttered. I can pretty much guarantee you that I would say something 
far stronger than what the hell. Cecilia, of course, came back with, I told you we had ghosts. Chris finally admitted that the house could be haunted. Over time, they learned that they had two ghost children in the house. There was a girl around the age of eight and a boy around the age of four or five years old. After a few weeks in the house, Cecilia began hearing a child crying. She was upstairs cleaning while her son was playing in his room and distinctly heard someone say, Mama. It was sad and desperate sounding and repeated itself a second and third time. The third time was louder and closer. It wasn't possible to determine what gender the speaker might be, but Cecilia knew it wasn't her son. He always called her mother, and it didn't sound like his voice. It sounded like a child searching for its mother, which is kind of redundant because obviously it's searching for its mother. Cecilia went to check on her son and found him asleep where he had been playing, so she put him in his crib. Then one morning, Cecilia woke up early to music playing somewhere. She realized that it was coming from her son's room and found him sitting on the floor in the middle of a pile of stuffed animals that had been pulled down from the top shelf of the closet. The music was coming from the mobile on the baby's crib. She and her husband discovered that her son was able to climb out of his crib on his own, but he was not able to turn the dial on the mobile to make it play and there was no way for him to reach the stuffed animals in the closet. Another day, while reading a book to her son, Cecilia noticed he was looking at something in the room that she couldn't see. When she asked what he was looking at, he said, A girl. This is similar to the time my young son was talking to the man when he was very young. That story is in episode number 16, I believe. Anyway, Cecilia ran downstairs with her son, terrified, and called her husband, who calmed her down. Later that evening, Cecilia and Chris were watching TV. While in the middle of their show, the TV turned off. Chris got up and checked the dials and turned it back on. He sat down and the TV turned off again. Chris mumbled something about it having a short. He turned it back on again and they were able to finish watching their show. Turning the TV on and off became a favorite ghost activity. Because Chris was the only town doctor and he received calls from his patients at all hours of the night, he and his wife slept in separate bedrooms so she wouldn't be disturbed by the phone. One night, Cecilia put her son to bed and she went to bed in her room. As she lay there reading, the bed began to shake violently. I can tell you this is definitely a terrifying thing. It has happened to me on more than one occasion. Being in a bed in a slightly vulnerable state and having that happen is horrifying. It hasn't happened here at this house. And if the ghosts are listening, do not get any ideas. So the bed is shaking and it finally stopped. Cecilia simply turned off the light and went to sleep. I don't even know how she did that. Like, meh, I'm going to bed. Sorry, uh, I've had that happen. One time at my aunt's house that was haunted, and uh, two other times at the house that I lived in uh, one husband ago. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, neither time did I just close my eyes, turn off the light, and go back to bed. At 2.30 a.m., she heard her husband get up and move around, and she assumed that he must be heading out to see a patient. But he came into her room and told her something had happened. 
He said he was dead asleep, but woke up because he felt his son climbing up on the bed. He said, I felt him grab hold of the sheet and pull himself up, and I felt the bed shake as he reached the foot of the bed. Cecilia asked where their son was currently, and he said, when he reached down to pull him up, there was no kid, and no one there when he turned the light on. Their son was sound asleep in his room. After they both went back to bed, Cecilia heard the child voice calling Mama. Mama. After the Backs had lived in the house for three years, they started seeing the ghosts. While doing laundry, the washer kept turning off. It happened two to three times, and then her son came to her and asked, Who was that man that walked down the stairs and went into our bathroom? He said he saw a very tall man dressed in a black suit with a tall hat, a funny tie, and a white shirt, and the man had brown hair. Cecilia went to the bathroom to check. There was no one there, but the faucet was turned off. Now at this time, it was very cold out, and she had the faucet running a little to prevent the pipes from freezing and bursting. And she realized the man her son had described was the same description she had been given of Dr. McBride. Her son didn't know anything about the ghosts in the house. A little later, she went to check the bathroom again, and again found the water had been turned off. And again, she turned the knob to turn it back on, and there was a loud pop as the light bulb blew out. She went to get a new light bulb in the ladder and went to the bathroom to replace the bulb. While she was on the ladder, she glanced down to the back corner of the bathroom, and there was a man standing there. The room went frigid cold, and she stood there frozen in fear until her son came in asking for a snack. That night, after Cecilia told her husband what had happened, he admitted he had seen Dr. McBride too. He had seen him a year before. His figure had blocked the doorway of the bedroom, and Chris decided to stare the ghost down, and it vanished. One of the things the backs learned about Dr. George McBride was his love of throwing lavish parties. His parties were formal and elegant, and people danced the night away. And apparently, he likes them just as much in the afterlife. After living in the house for about four and a half years, the backs started hearing the sound of a party going on. They woke up to loud noises and thought they might have left a radio or TV on downstairs. Chris went to check, and when he got to the first landing, the noise stopped. They knew each time a noise stopped abruptly, it was ghost-related. Then, early in the morning, around 2 a.m., the noise started again. They both woke up to the loud activity going on and decided to be patient and listen. The noise was coming from the area of the parlor. They heard talking and laughing and the pocket doors sliding open and closed, and even the sound of clinking glasses. The ghost parties always started at 2 a.m. and went until 6 or 7 a.m., and no matter how hard they listened, they were never able to make out what was being said. Then another ghost appeared. One night, while Cecilia was settling into bed, she saw a woman in the doorway. The woman was extremely pretty, with brunette hair and a Gibson girl-style bun, wearing a sheer white gauze dress with the bodice arranged in pleats. The sleeves were long and puffy, with wide cuffs, 
and the skirt was full and flowing. She also wore a gold locket around her neck. The woman motioned for Cecilia to follow her, but Cecilia was unable to move. The ghost disappeared in a few seconds, and the moment she was gone, Cecilia could move again. Cecilia felt the ghost's emotions. She was sad and troubled, and she could also smell the floral perfume. When the backs first moved into the house, people told them about a brunette woman dressed in a white nurse's uniform that had been seen looking out of the windows of the house. The ghost woman had also been seen at the old army hospital across the street. She appeared frequently. Someone who lived in the old army hospital said that he saw the woman several times standing at the top of the steps looking at him. After researching the old army hospital, Cecilia learned that they did not have any female nurses, only men, so it was unclear who this ghost might be. Cecilia's sister and her twin daughters came to visit and stayed at McBride House with the backs. One night, her sister woke up to see a lady bending over watching her daughters as they slept. Then the next day, Cecilia and her sister went shopping while their mother watched the grandkids. While she was watching them, she saw a woman going into the room with the children. Cecilia's mother followed, knowing it wasn't either one of her daughters. In the room, she saw the woman in white. She thought she was seeing things until all three kids looked up at the lady, and one of the twins reached out and offered her a toy. At that moment, the lady vanished. The lady always seemed to appear most often around the children. When a major restoration of the house began six years after living there, contractors who came in to do estimates never came back. One company started and then quit after a few weeks because the workers were scared. Ladders would shake violently while the workers were on them. They would hear boxes of nails drop and scatter, but when they went to see what happened, nothing was there. Tools vanished and they heard a ball bouncing on the porch. They saw a boy, girl, and a woman staring at them through one of the windows while they were working outside. Electric tools would turn on by themselves or shut off while being used. Then Cecilia became pregnant with her daughter, and she began setting up the nursery. Each time she took a new item into the nursery, she would find the crib had been moved several feet from the original spot. When she had her daughter, all was well, except for the crib moving. When her daughter was three years old, she told Cecilia that there was a boy in her room. She said she told him to get out, and he told her no, so she went to get her mom. A few days later, the boy was back, and her daughter said he was an angel because he glowed. He was wearing pants and a jacket, white shirt, suspenders, and had brown hair. The boy ghost always seemed to like to play with the mechanical-type toys. Cecilia's daughter had a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer toy, and one night it began playing music and lighting up on its own. Cecilia took the batteries out, but it continued to play. We had a talking Iron Man that did that. There is nothing quite like hearing, I am Iron Man, in the middle of the night. I can totally, 100% tell you it is super creepy. Especially because it lights up. It's hands lit up and it's like eyes or whatever. I got rid of that. It was 
Not a secret that Dr. McBride enjoyed his liquor. But unfortunately, the liquor ended up ruining his reputation. One night, he was intoxicated, and there was an accident where the victim severely injured his leg and was brought to Dr. McBride's house. The man was carried upstairs to one of the bedrooms known as the pink room. After an examination, Dr. McBride determined the leg must be amputated immediately. He completed the surgery alone, but the horror of this story is that he amputated the wrong leg, and the man bled to death in the room from the wounds on the mangled leg that wasn't amputated. Dr. McBride was never the same, and he moved his family to Texas to start over. Many years later, he was able to buy his house back again. Previous owners told the backs that they had heard a heavy boot fall to the floor in the pink room. The backs had also heard the same thing. Then after returning from a trip to Florida and entering the foyer, the backs heard a man screaming at the top of his lungs. Chris grabbed his gun and told the family to wait outside, and he went to see what was going on. As he reached the second landing, the screaming stopped. He continued to the pink room where the sound was coming from, and there was nothing there. No signs of a crime scene, no blood, nothing. He checked every room in the house, and nothing was found. The next day, Cecilia returned from the store. When she entered the house, she felt the screaming coming at her. When she went up the stairs, it stopped as soon as she reached the second landing. This continued for a week, then it stopped, and they never heard the screaming again. So, I'm curious if anyone who is listening knows what a Furby is. Back in the late 90s, yeah, be, I guess about 96 or 97, probably about 1997, they were these talking creatures that you had a hard time finding at the height of their popularity. You literally had to stand in line to get them. Or if you were lucky like me and you worked in the mall and had friends at the toy store, they told you when the shipment was coming in and you went down before they opened and you got one for your daughter. Anyway, they spoke in a weird language and they would learn English and could communicate with one another. So the back family got Furbies. They each had one, so there were four. And just like any other fad, they grew tired of them and they were put in various places like closets or bookshelves. One night, Chris was home alone. It was about 2 a.m. and he was up reading, having trouble sleeping, when he heard, Cock-a-doodle-doo, I'm hungry! The Furby on the shelf in the room woke up and started talking. And then all four Furbies were talking from different rooms. Cock-a-doodle-doo, wake up! They began speaking to each other in their own Furby language. Chris went around and gathered them all up to take out the batteries, but when he got to the one in his daughter's room, he found it didn't even have any batteries. He then went to take a hot shower and came out to the TV blaring and all the lights on. During the years that they lived in the house, they experienced many other things like cold spots, footsteps following them through the house, and a ball bouncing down the steps. They had several pets while they lived at the house. Their white Persian cat named Tom always seemed aware of the ghosts. And their bulldog, Winston, was always at the ready to protect them from things they couldn't see. 
you gotta love those bulldogs. On that note, that's going to do it for this episode. I'll be back next week for a new episode, but the following week, I believe it's the 24th, that will be an off week. Next week, we have a little bit of an Irish topic for St. Patrick's Day. Basically, it's a haunted Irish pub, and I'll be drinking Guinness while I record. I'm just kidding. About the Guinness. Remember, you can find Lurk where you find your other favorite podcasts and at lurkpodcast.com, where you can find all of our episodes along with our social media links. Heads up that the Whitehall, New York Sasquatch Festival is happening September 30th, and Lurk will be there once again. This will be the third trip up there, so if you're in the area, definitely stop by and say hello, maybe get a t-shirt. And until next time, keep lurking. Yeah.